I have not been to the 8 a.m. service once in a year and a half. That's shocking, eh? Um, and it is good to be here. I mean, normal people don't get up this time of the morning. <laughs> I just want to see that we are connected there. You remember when you're a young person following your dad or mom on the beach? Do you remember that? Or is that too long ago? Help me here, okay? You remember that? What, what did you do on the beach following your dad? Walk in his footsteps, okay? We used to always like try and... Uh, and you'd always, like, when you get into his footstep perfectly, you'd be going, yeah, I'm in his footsteps. And as we are going through the gospel of Mark, what we are really asking is, how do we walk in the footsteps of Jesus? And we're following the Son. Okay, there's no better model. Do you believe that? Okay, we're not following Paul. Oh, can you see? We're following the Son. Paul says, follow me as I follow the... You've got you to respond more, okay? As I follow the Son. And our business is not following Paul or any of the church celebrities out there. Our business is to find out what the Son did and to follow the Son. Okay, And that's why our motto is continuing the work of Jesus, the Son. We need to find out what He did, and we need to do what He did. His disciple put it this way, about 80 years after uh, Jesus, or AD 80. John says this, whoever says he abides in Him, okay, lives in Jesus, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Now, I want to give us a little bit of a context. Jesus comes into the world, and it is chaos, okay? The Romans are ruling the Jews. The Jews are desperate for a Messiah. God has been quiet for about 400 years. There's been no prophet on the scene, and they kind of gain God, have you abandoned us? Just like Terry was speaking about our nation this morning. They needed a miracle. John comes on the scene, and we looked at him as we started the gospel of Mark. Okay? And then all of a sudden, John starts preaching, and everybody's going, is this the long-awaited Messiah? What were they expecting of the Messiah? Help me here. A king, Okay? A king that would rule where? In Jerusalem, in Israel, and would deliver them from? The Romans, would chase out the Romans. You see, their, their worldview was so narrow and short-sighted. They wanted a, a temporary king to come and liberate them. And Jesus comes into that world, and he raises up, a workforce that within 28 years, the Bible tells us that the gospel had gone to the far ends. Literally, it was taking over the world. 
They say that about 80, 70, 10% of the Roman Empire were believers in Jesus. And it started with this man, Jesus, who mobilized other people to take over the world. You see, today we live in a world where Christians fall into um, one of three camps, okay? We kind of go, some people are saying, you know, this man, Jesus, I need him as my means of salvation. And, and they purely step into Jesus because what, a, what he can give them uh, is salvation. And so they respond to him and they become a disciple of Jesus. Okay? And that's where it ends because I purely want to get into heaven. You understand what I'm saying here? Okay? There are other people that take the next step. And they not only need Jesus as their means, but they start using Jesus to measure their life, their action, their conduct on. And they start uh, following Jesus in their morality or their behavior. And I'd call that being a disciple. Being a disciple of Jesus. But Jesus doesn't just want us to stop at that point. Jesus wants us to make disciples. And this is where we literally use Jesus as a model for everyday living. Are we following this? Okay? So when Jesus comes to his disciples right at the end of Mark, and we'll get to that, and he says to them, this is the greatest commandment. Love God and love your neighbor. And then, right, right, right at the end of the Mark, uh, Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 16, verse 15, he says, now go and preach to all of creation. And Matthew would capture another account of Jesus saying that, and he, Jesus, Matthew would say, go into all the world and make disciples. Now, the passage that we are going to deal with this morning, and really as I look at a lot of what Mark is talking about Mark's gospel is preparing these disciples to make disciples. And so we pick up in Mark's gospel at Mark chapter 1, verse 16 through 20. Okay, are you with me? You can read it up there. If you've got your Bibles, you can open. And it reads as follows. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing the nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. And they followed him. Jesus is giving them a challenge over here. What is that challenge? Come follow me. Okay? Carry on reading it for me. And I will send you out to fish for men. Okay? To pick... Oh, okay. <laughs> Gender inclusive. Let's not get down that. Absolutely. Okay? I will send you out. Now, the, the 
King James Version and the ESV says, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, this challenge that Jesus is setting for these disciples sets up the next year and a half of his ministry as he prepares them. But for us to understand this challenge, I want to zoom out a little bit and look at the whole story of Jesus and these disciples. Okay? This passage comes in the, right at the beginning of Mark's gospel, but it's not at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Now, if you read in your, your Bible there, it says Jesus starts his ministry. Okay? We've got to look at all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we've got to see how everything comes together. Now, when Jesus starts his ministry, we want to go right back, and if you look in John's Gospel, you see where Jesus actually starts it, okay? Mark says that Jesus gets baptized by John. He goes into the wilderness, okay? You remember that? Were you here for that? Okay, he goes into the wilderness. Jesus comes out of the wilderness, and he starts his ministry down at the bottom of the Jordan River, where he calls or he makes the first challenge to these disciples. This story here, and I need to give it a context, because we're wanting to understand how do we get to a point of making disciples. If we give it a context, this story is coming 18 to 21 months down the line in Jesus' ministry. Are you following this? Okay? So Mark's leaving out a lot of the Gospels, a lot of the story of Jesus. John, the Gospel of John, he ends off and he says, if we had to write books on everything Jesus did, we would fill the world with them. Okay? So Mark's not bringing everything. I want to take you back to see the rest of the story so that it can set a context for the rest of the Gospel of Mark. Are you with me? Okay? Give me two hours and we will. That's not a joke. Okay. I want to illustrate it with uh, five chairs. And the five chairs are really going to look at five different commitments or challenges that Jesus makes to these disciples to get them to a point of living a life of disciple making. This passage that we've just looked at is this chair, okay? Where he says to them, come follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. But to get to that chair, Jesus is going to go through five challenges. A spiritual journey of becoming disciple makers. Five challenges. And we're going to look at it in light of five different chairs. And so the first challenge, I'm going to take you all the way back to the beginning of the story of these men joining Jesus. When Jesus comes on the Sea of Galilee to them and says, come follow me and I'll make you a fish of men, they had already known Jesus for a year and a half, 18 months to 21 months, okay? And the first challenge comes in John chapter 1, verse 35. Jesus has come out of the wilderness on the first day, and it's a little bit earlier than verse 35, uh, John points to Jesus the first day, okay? It starts when it says the next day. So let's go back a day earlier. John sees Jesus coming out of the wilderness, and he points to Jesus, and he says, there is the Lamb of God 
who takes away the sin of the world. All his disciples, John's disciples, are with Jesus. They're looking on and they're going, who's this guy? I mean, we thought you were. Okay? John had just explained, I'm not the Messiah. The Pharisees were questioning him. And John's going, I'm not the Messiah. Now he's pointing to Jesus and he says, look, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I find that passage quite interesting because nobody follows Jesus at that point. Okay? The next day is where we pick up the story. John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Challenge over here. Come and see. Okay, it's a challenge. They've been with John now. John's pointed them to Jesus. The first step in their journey, and we're going to call this chair one. Okay? They're sitting in chair one, and Jesus says to them, here's your challenge on this journey of disciple making. I want you just to come and see. Come and enter my world. Come and see whether what John has said is true or not. And I love that passage. They followed Jesus. What did they do with Jesus for the rest of that day? I mean, I'm guessing they sat around that campfire and, and they said to Jesus, why does John say you're the Messiah who takes away the sin of the world? And Jesus goes, well, what do we know about the Messiah? And they start rattling off Old Testament passages. And just like those disciples on the road to Emmaus, Jesus uses the Old Testament and the prophets. And he points to the fact that I am the fulfillment of everything that the prophets and Moses had to say of the Messiah. Wouldn't you have loved to be around that fire? Hey? I tell you, I would have loved to be there, just listening into this conversation. But it required them to respond to Jesus' first challenge. Come and see. The second challenge uh, we pick up, and, and in Mark 1, 14 and 15, we haven't read that uh, now, but if you go and read it, it says, and, and really this is... Uh, uh, not totally in the chronology of Jesus' life with his disciples, but Jesus went into Galilee, uh, and it says that he proclaimed the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. What's the second challenge? Repent. Repent and believe. Okay, there's, there's a, 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 what did you say? No, double whammy. <laughs> Dual, okay? You've got to repent. That's turning. And you've got to believe in me. 
and they enter into, as they respond to this, they move out of chair one into chair two, which was a different commitment level. And we notice that um, Andrew absolutely believed because straight away, going back to John chapter one, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard that what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Something happened in this come and see phase and in the repent and believe phase that Andrew actually believed in Jesus. And he, he, he stepped deeper into that relationship with Jesus. Andrew and the other disciples with him would start a journey of growing in their belief. Okay? And, and, and I find it quite interesting that at this phase, Jesus is not saying to them, you know, if you want to come after me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Okay? It was too much of a big step in their journey. Jesus was growing these disciples from one stage to, uh, or one chair to the next. We see that the next uh, challenge that Jesus makes is the next morning. John chapter 1, verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. What's the challenge here? Follow me, Okay. And at this point, Philip needed to change his plans. Philip needed to reorganize his life. And here he's come all the way down to be with John. And I, and I believe Andrew was there. I believe John was there at this time. Jesus has decide, decided now, let's, let's draw context. Sea of Galilee. Jordan River runs all the way down. What's at the bottom here? The Dead Sea. Okay. Where's John baptizing? The Bible says in the Jordan, but right down at the bottom of the Dead Sea. Now, for some of you that have been to Israel, I know when I first went to Israel, I thought it was at the top because they had a nice baptismal place there. Okay? John was baptized, and the Bible tells us, right at the bottom. So he wants to go back up to Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, and he speaks to Philip, and he says to him, Philip, I'm heading up to the Sea of Galilee. Come follow me. Philip's come all the way from the Sea of Galilee. He's from the town called Bethsaida, which is on the shores, the northern shores of the Sea of Galilee. He's come down to John. He's got to change his attention from John, shift his attention from John to Jesus. Next step in his commitment to becoming a disciple maker. And Philip will decide that day to follow Jesus. But we know that not only Philip follows Jesus and, and they step into this chair, because the next thing that happens in John chapter 2, it says, on the fifth day at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. So Jesus goes up to Galilee. He goes to Cana. It says that Jesus was at a wedding with his disciples. So these guys that he's met right at the beginning, come and see, follow me, move with Jesus, sorry, come and see, repent and believe. They move with Jesus into the follow me. 
and they go up to this wedding at Cana. At this point in their journey, Jesus starts transferring his character and his priorities. You see, he wants him to be able to fish for men. But for them to fish for men, they've got to be like him. And so this is where we speak about be, being a disciple. And Jesus is transferring character and priorities. You know, while they go and while they're sitting in chair three, there's an, that 18 to 21-month period before we get to chair four, which is our passage for this morning, okay? In that 18 to 21-month period, Jesus goes to the wedding at Cana. And they see Jesus doing the miracle. And at the end it says, and his disciples saw this and they believed in Jesus. Every step in that journey develops their belief in Jesus. Eventually Jesus will go to, uh, up to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, Jesus would uh, chase out the money lenders and those selling in the temple area. Uh, the disciples would be looking on. In this early phase in their journey, I'm thinking the disciples looking on from the platform of being in the crowd rather than next to Jesus. I'm guessing that they are scared at that point. And so they're looking on and they observe him from Jesus. What does it mean to have the character and the priorities of the kingdom. Jesus would meet with Nicodemus at night. His disciples are looking at this. They would go then back down to the Jordan River and they would baptize again. And his disciples would start getting involved with Jesus. Jesus' popularity is growing. But as his popularity grows, he decides, no, he's going to go back up to Galilee and he goes through Samaria. What, who does he encounter in Samaria? Anybody remember he goes to a village called Sychar? Who does he encounter there? The woman at the well. Think about transferring character and priorities. I mean, here his disciples come back and he's talking to a woman. He's talking to a Samaritan. He's talking to a woman that must be shamed if she's coming and drawing water in the middle of the day. All the other women came in the morning or in the evening. Yes, she's coming so that nobody sees her. And this whole time, this 18 to 21 months, that Mark doesn't pick up on, Jesus is building into these young men. And I was reading this morning on the way to church, or I was listening to the, the Gospels on the way to church, but it's not just young men. The Bible tells us that there were a number of women following Jesus. Um, they were caring for his needs, but they were involved uh, with Jesus as he was transferring character and priorities. And here we get to chair four, where Jesus makes the next challenge. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for men. Between now and chair five, which is right at the end of Jesus' gospel, where Jesus comes to them, and this is the night before Jesus, or the night that Jesus is uh, arrested. He comes to his disciples. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you 
that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask in the Father's name, he may give it to you. What's the challenge? Okay, believe, bear fruit, okay? I mean, yes, believe in me, but go and bear fruit, showing to be my disciples. And this is, from this point on, Jesus would release them. Jesus would give them five challenges, okay? The Mark challenge, we'll get to it at the end of Mark, where he says, go into all creation and preach. Matthew, go and, be, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Uh, Acts chapter 1, and you will be my witnesses. You know all these passages. That's how Jesus wanted them to bear fruit. I remember one of my, um, one of my mental pastors made the statement that the fruit of an orange tree is an orange and another orange tree. Okay? The fruit of a Christian is another Christian. The fruit of a disciple maker is another disciple maker. Okay? And this is what Jesus wanted his disciples to produce. Now, as we look at these four, uh, five chairs, I mean, the commitment at chair one was three hours. Okay? It says they spent the rest of the day with Jesus. It didn't take much commitment. Chair two, Andrew had to literally say, I believe Jesus is the Lamb of God. And he goes and he finds his brother and he says, Peter, come and find Jesus. At chair three, the commitment level of the disciples was that they had to change their plans. They were down with John. They were hanging out with John, but now they needed to head up to Galilee. And so they changed and reorganized their lives for three, four, five, six days. We know that they gained back to their nets because at chair four, where's Peter? He's at his fishing net. And Jesus will say to Peter at this point, come follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. From this point on, Jesus starts instilling into his disciples responsibility to start doing what they had seen him do over here. He appoints leaders. He sends them out on a mission. The 12 are sent. They come back and they report to Jesus. Then what happens? He sends out the 72. The whole time increasing what he's requiring of this, these disciples. That eventually he can say to them, now you go and bear much fruit. I think as we look at the, the gospel of Mark, we've got to understand that we're looking at chair four, equipping the saint to be a fruit bearer, equipping the saint to do exactly what Jesus did. If we have to take uh, the, the process that Jesus is, is taking them through, he's taking them from immaturity over here or unbelief over here. And he's taking them up to maturity. And a mature believer is 
a disciple maker. Okay? A mature believer isn't a chair for person that's sitting and just being equipped, 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 equipped. How do I know when I'm a disciple maker? I've taken responsibility for somebody else. And that's why Jesus is saying to them, here at chair four, I want to equip you to do what I have been doing. Chair one and chair two. When we look at chair one and chair two, we're looking at becoming a disciple. Are you following this? Okay? Chair three, we are looking at being a disciple. And this really speaks into um, uh, character and priorities. Do I have Jesus' character? Do I have his priorities? Okay? In my heart, I don't really know how I'm going to do it, but do I have them in my heart? At chair three where Jesus says, come now and I'm going to start teaching you to fish for men. I'm going to help you apply the character and priorities of the kingdom so that ultimately you can be a chair five Christian. Not just becoming, not just being, but making disciples. Now, the reality, and I'm, I'm nearly finished, is that most of us sit on this chair being disciples. Where Jesus says, you will know who are mine by their fruit. That's a chair five. You will know who are mine by their fruit. And so as we go through Mark, we are not asking the question, how do we be a better disciple? But we need to be listening to this gospel for the rest of Mark. And we need to be saying, what's Jesus teaching me to become a disciple maker? Because that's what he wants us to do. I don't know where you sit in this morning. Maybe you come in here and you're actually just going, you know, I, I'm just at the come and see level. <laughs> I've come to church. My wife's a Christian. My husband's a Christian. I, I've just followed. I've, I've, I've come and seen. I've come and seen. I've come and seen. I've come and seen. I've never actually repented and believed. When I look at that journey of Jesus, he's always pushing them to the next level so that ultimately they can live at chair five. If you are in chair three, okay, most of what the church does globally focuses on chair three. How do we live more morally? How do we live more ethically? How do we live uh, better personal lives, which is about being? I want to just say that Jesus wants to move you deeper. And moving you deeper as we gain through the gospel of Mark, look at it through the lens of how do I become a disciple? How do I know if I'm a disciple maker? Do you have one person that you are journeying with through chair one, through chair two, through chair three, Therefore, that eventually they will become a disciple maker themselves.
go and bear fruit. And here's what Jesus says. You never chose me. I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, showing to be my disciple. Now, I think that there's a lot of this idea, well, I've done it. I, I was a chief five Christian. Now, I mean, I, I, I actually was trying to look for a cushion because sometimes we, we put a nice cushion on chair three. And, and it becomes so comfortable. I've seen so many people live a disciple-making lifestyle and then they go back and they sit in chair three. And it needs a backrest. It actually needs a lazy Susie. Not Susie. What, what are they called? Lazy boy. The lazy Susie is the one that you spin around and all the things fall off. The Lord doesn't want us in this chair. And so you might be going, oh, man, I, I, I've been there. Well, who's discipling your grandkids? Who's discipling your neighbor? You want to see revival in our city? The church needs to get up and start doing what Jesus told us to do. We are Jesus' hope planted in Cape Town. And so Jesus, we want to continue your work. We ask you to forgive us for sitting back in our lazy boy and just thinking it's about us and people feeding us. Holy Spirit, won't you stir in our heart one person that you want us to start discipling? We don't know what chair they might be on, but we do know that you've placed us in their world. Maybe we need to just say to them, hey, come and see my life. So that eventually I'll have credibility to say, repent and believe. And then I'll say, follow me as I follow Christ. And then I'll say, hey, I want to teach you how to do what I've done with you. So that eventually I can say to them, now you go and bear much fruit. Showing to be Jesus' disciple. Who is that one person, Jesus, that you want us to pick up? Give us a passion for our grandkids. Give us a passion for our kids. Give us a passion for our neighbor, our work colleague. Jesus, we see how you, one man, in 28 years, so impacted the world that the gospel had gone to the far ends of the world. Within 70 years, it had taken over 10% of the Roman Empire. Within 300 years, Constantine said, if I don't join them, I'm going to lose the Roman Empire. So he became a believer. May we have such an impact on this city because we are doing what you did, Jesus. Amen. There is.
is a song that we are going to close off in. And you're going to love me more because I've 